Hello, friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 19th day of August. I'm your host, Paul White. Today, we will conclude the reading of the introduction from our 2018 release, Righteous Saul versus Righteous Paul. This is a never-before-released audiobook. Uh, we will then put this introduction following today's podcast. The entire introduction will be in our additional content section. For those of you who have subscribed to the additional content, you can find that at paulwhiteministries.com. And then each chapter we read, we will drop that entire chapter into that additional content as well. I back up today 30 or 45 seconds and uh, pick up the story of the prodigal son. We've just concluded the reading of the story, and now we tell the story. Here's reading on out, the rest of the introduction, Righteous Saul versus Righteous Paul. The father distributed the inheritance to his two sons. The younger spent it all and ended up slopping hogs in a foreign land in order to survive. The older son took his inheritance and went out to his father's fields to work. The younger son finally tired of his lifestyle and what it had done to him, so he determined to go home and offer himself to his father as a hired hand. When he arrived at the end of the lane, his father ran to meet him, gave him shoes, a robe, and a ring, and killed a calf for a feast. The father refused to hear the boy's speech about being a servant. During this ecstatic reunion, the older brother was out in the fields, laboring away, breaking his back for an inheritance that was already his. This son was serving his father, whom perhaps he didn't view as a father. Maybe he sees him as more of a taskmaster. When the father entreated him to come and join the feast to celebrate the return of the younger brother, the older son responded bitterly, See how much I have done for you, and you've never killed the fatted calf for me. Verses 28 to 30. The father answered with a statement we all need to take to heart. When we read the story of the prodigal son, we usually think of our drug-addicted cousin or our neighbor in prison, those out slopping hogs who need to get saved. However, we fail to realize that we may have someone in the pew next to us that is perhaps the older son out in the field working for the approval of a father he doesn't know loves him. The tragedy is that he had never comprehended what the father meant when he said to him, Son, all that I ever had is yours. Luke fifteen thirty one. The story of the prodigal son ends in tragedy, as the older son doesn't realize that everything belonged to him. All he had to do was appropriate it through the covenant of a father and son and receive it as his own. It would be another tragedy for me to write a book about righteousness and not inform you that all that the Father has for you is absolutely yours, and you can appropriate it by faith. All you need to do is walk into Daddy's house and receive it. I believe the message of sonship is frightening to some because they fear that people will take advantage of being a son and do some things they may have avoided before. Perhaps we fear that if people were to hear that they are sons, they would stop working so hard. If we release them from performance, what if they just run off? I liken that to a dog chained in the backyard, which is there only for the enjoyment of his owner. Surely he wouldn't choose that yard if it meant remaining on the chain. Of course, the dog is chained because he's uncontrollable and his owner doesn't want him to run away and wreak havoc in the neighborhood. I can't help but wonder why the owner wants a dog that doesn't want to live in his yard. The illustration may be silly, and I'm quite sure I'm missing the point of the dog-owner dynamic, but I think the concept is similar to what we are doing or having done to us by religion. We are chained so that we can stay under control, or maybe we're chained because we've been taught that to leave the yard is to leave the Lord. 
true love challenge might be to release the dog from the chain and let him run, though your neighbor and animal control may have something to say about that. If that dog loves his master and his home, he knows where his food and water bowl are, and he knows how to come home. This is what we must do with people in the church. Release them into the glorious liberty of sonship by removing the grave clothes that have chained them and kept them in the yard. The Holy Spirit is alive in our hearts, and He leads us home to the Father, to a place where we feed in Him and where we find rest for our souls. So again, the Bible is certainly a story of sinners becoming saints, but maybe more so of sons coming into sonship and lost sheep coming back into the fold. People who are religious, full of performance, full of works, coming into a revelatory knowledge that the Father loves them without their performance and their works. One of the greatest revelations I ever received came when I was on the brink of spiritual burnout and had nearly had enough with ministry and with the church at large. I was raised in a pastor's home and a life fully integrated with ministry was all I had ever known. I knew religion and the associated lifestyle of pushing the church millstone, grinding the corn so the church can grow, grow, grow over and over and over again. Before long, I was exhausted with religious performance. Once sonship was revealed to me, a whole new world opened. I saw value in just knowing God and being known by Him. The process of going from being performance-minded to identity-minded took a lot of untraining, retooling, and a bit of detoxing off the drug of my own performance. The process was necessary if I were to come into the knowledge of who I am as a child of God, the glory of the redeemed, the right to call ourselves the sons of God, John 1.12, is ours by inheritance, but settling into that mentality is a journey. It may start on a Sunday morning, and then it rolls over into our lives, into our work week, into our relationships, as we are released into the liberty of who He has created us to be. In this little book, we take a look at the ultimate example of religious performance and the story of one man's most radical transformation. We will track with Saul of the New Testament, not Old Testament Saul. That guy is an entirely different problem. Through the machinery of works and achievement to the depths of hell, where zeal finds its starkest expression. In Saul, we will find a member of the family, the ultimate lost sheep. In his encounter with Jesus, we will see our own selves grappling with who we are and yearning to break forth into who we are meant to be. We will watch Saul transform to Paul, not merely as a public profession that a change has occurred, but as the end result of a confrontation with the light of the world. Like Saul, blinded on the road to Damascus, we must each confront our own religious zeal in the face of our Lord Jesus, and then confront our blindness as well. Saul entered the encounter with his eyes wide open to his own ability and self-righteousness, only to have them darkened to those realities. When the scales fell from his eyes in Acts 9.18, he walked out of the home of Ananias and began a journey into sonship. Saul went in, but Paul came out. If you head into this book confident in your ability to live for God, to do the right thing, curry favor through your perseverance, or if you are exhausted from trying, then I pray that you too become blinded to your own ability so that your eyes can be opened to his love and finished work on your behalf. Go into this journey as a Saul. That's fine. But come out the other side, a Paul. That concludes our reading of the introduction of the Righteous Saul, verses 
Righteous Paul. Tomorrow on the podcast, it's Saturday, we'll introduce the Sunday sermon that's coming up on all of our platforms, tell you all about it, give you a little background on it, hopefully get you excited about watching or listening or both. And then we will begin chapter one, and we're going to work on that all of next week. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. God bless.